And we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Matthew Paris Show. I'm your host, Matthew Paris. Um, before we get started, make sure we hit that little subscribe button. It's always a great time here on the Matthew Paris Show. We talk sports. We talk uh, sport, a lot of sports. We talk football. We talk baseball. We talk basketball. But right now, let's focus on the American League Championship Series, the ALCS between the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. It is a Lone Star State battle, the battle for Texas. Um, it's not looking too good for the Astros right now. Their backs are against the wall. The first two games started at Minute Maid Park in Houston. Uh, game two, uh, the Rangers ended up winning 5-4 to four over the Astros. And uh, game one, the Rangers ended up winning 2-0 to zero over the Astros. I myself watched both games. Let's, um, let's break it down real quick. So, Justin Verlander started uh, game one for the Houston Astros, and uh, he did not do – he did okay. He did not do so hot. Um, he's been known to have kind of a record like that in the postseason where he doesn't do so well. His regular season standings is off the chart, but postseason, you know, he's kind of hit or miss. Um, let's, uh, let's break it down. So, you know, the, the Rangers, the Astros scored zero points in the first game. The Rangers scored two. It was a close game, uh, but the Rangers just kind of pulled it out and minute made. Um, the Rangers defense, their fielding looks very, very good. Um, they're not making any errors, anything like that. Um, so this is reported by MLB, uh, that the Astros and the Rangers ALCS game three. Um, now this is going back to Globe Life Park in, uh, in Dallas and Arlington. So, uh, so yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, me being a Houston fan, I kind of, you know, was hoping the Astros would do a little bit better, and who knows? They might go to Globe Life Park over in Dallas and just surprise everyone in Arlington. But um, it's a reporter here from MLB. This is from Houston. With the Rangers having wrestled control of the American League Championship Series away from the Astros with a pair of tight wins in Houston, the series shifts uh, up Interstate 45 to Arlington, which is a suburb of Dallas, where Texas will be looking to push the Astros to the brink of elimination in Game 3. Uh, the Rangers are two wins shy of their first World Series burst since 2011. We all remember that in 2011 uh, when the Texas Rangers went to the World Series against the San Francisco Giants, and the Giants ended up beating them. Um, so uh, the defending World Series champions, Astros, the Astros won the World Series last year in 2017 against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, the Finney World Series champion Astros, meanwhile, don't mind their road life, having won 16 of their past 19 games away from home, including a dominating sweep of Texas at Globe Life Field from September 4th through September 6th. I think for the most part, you know, we know they've got a great ball club. Astros third baseman Alex Bregman said, we're just going to try and execute a little bit better. Pass the torch to the next guy a little bit better. Do the things a little bit better and focus on one game at a time, one pitch at a time. Um, the Rangers are seven and zero in the postseason, which ties the 2022 Astros for second longest winning streak in American League history to begin the playoffs. In addition to the home crowd, Texas will have history on side. Teams that take a 2-0 lead in the best of seven postseason series have won the series 75 times out of 89. Uh, not bad. I think that's definitely one game at a time. Rangers second baseman Marcus Seaman said. We've only had one game at home, one played extremely well, so it will be fun to get back in front of the home crowd. With that being said, Houston has been played well in that building too. We need to buckle down when they when they get there and play some good baseball like we've been doing. Um, Wednesday's game will be televised on, in the U.S. on Fox at 8.03 p.m. 
Uh, all series are available in the U.S. on MLB.tv uh, and participating pay TV provider, uh, except in Canada. All right, so that's where you can watch it. Um, yeah, so uh, it looks like half the uh, half of the nation is rooting for the Texas Rangers because they want to see a new World Series champion there with the Houston Astros, besides the Houston Astros. Uh, of course, everybody in Houston is rooting for the Houston Astros. So, um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Uh, the Rangers, Texas leads the series two games to zero over the Astros. Hopefully, since I'm from Houston, you know, I'm a big Astros fan. So, hopefully, you know, the Astros can tie this up at Globe Life the Field. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, game three is tomorrow night, and we'll see what happens in Globe Life. But uh, hopefully they'll uh, the Astros will come back and win this. They do have a better road record than at home. Um, but who knows? Who knows? You know, the Rangers could come out and sweep the Astros. That's a strong possibility. Um the Astros can win two. Uh, it could win four. It could go four games to two. Rangers in favor. So, uh, who knows? Who knows? All right, let's talk about the National League Championship Series. Let's talk about the Diamondbacks, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, game one, which was uh, yesterday, the final score was the Philadelphia Phillies five, the Arizona Diamondbacks three. Wow. So, it's uh, the Phillies look like they're on a roll here. So they could get back to the World Series uh, again. Uh, they played the Houston Astros last year. The Astros ended up winning that series in six games. Uh, so Philly does lead the series 1-0 in this uh, best of seven. It's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, um, the Arizona Diamondbacks look good. The Arizona Diamondbacks do look good. But also uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, they're a very tough contender. Um, I think they're looking for revenge since they got out of it last year in the World Series, and they want that World Series ring. Ultimately, it's like the uh, ALCS, the American League Championship Series. Who wants it more? Who's going to get out there and, and do the best they can, and who wants it more, and who's going to get that ring? The swing for the ring. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, here it is. Uh Let's see. Uh, one day after Jordan Montgomery led a shutout of the Astros in game one for the ALCS. Um, so here's the ALCS again. The Astros cut the deficit to 5-4 on the Jordan Alvarez homer. Uh, okay, here we go. The Philadelphia Phillies took game one in the NLCS over the Arizona Diamondbacks with a 5-3 victory. Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper kicked things off with home runs in the bottom of the first inning. This is from Yahoo Sports. Nick uh, Castanos joined team uh, joined them with a homer in the second to give the, the Phillies a 3-0 lead. Zach Wheeler was dominant in six innings of work, allowing just three hits and striking out eight batters. Um, a late Diamondbacks rally was too late, too late, and Arizona was now looked to even the series at Game 2, which begins at 8.07 p.m. Eastern Time Tuesday at Citizens Bank Park, where the Phillies are 5-0 this postseason. Okay, so that works out for the Phillies. Um... Yeah, so uh, the Phillies look good right now. Phillies look good right now. Bryce Harper looks good. Looks like the Philadelphia Phillies, like the Texas Rangers, are firing on all cylinders. Um, the Phillies did knock out uh, what I thought was going to be the, the World Series uh, favorite this year, the Atlanta Braves. So, um, yeah, so the Phillies are hungry for it. They're hungry for that ring. They're hung hungry for that trophy. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. The, uh, it's going to be interesting, ALCS and the uh, NLCS. So, uh, yeah, 
So we'll see. Let's move on real quick to the NFL. Let's talk about the Houston Texans real quick. They're third in the AFC South. Um, the Texans did win 20-13 uh, to 13 over the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Houston Texans have a bye week coming up this week. Uh, C.J. Stroud did uh, throw his first interception. He has one interception this year. But I think he's first overall with most pass attempts and uh, with most pass attempts and no interceptions. So let's look at uh, C.J. Stroud, a uh, you know, rookie quarterback. Pat McAfee has had him on the show. This is from ESPN. How rookie QB C.J. Stroud went over to Texans locker room. Houston, uh, this report in Houston is sorry in April before C.J. Stroud was the quarterback of the Houston Texans. He was sitting at a table eating lunch at the team's facility during a pre-draft visit when he was joined by safety Jalen Petrie. Stroud was familiar with Petrie and helped his play in high regard. Uh, the two exchanged pleasantries, but then it happened. He started talking trash, Stroud told ESPN of the interaction with a laugh. I'm like, man, I'm not backing down against nothing. I respect you, but that doesn't mean I'm backing down. If I come here, I'm going to be on your head. Petrie saw leadership and passion in Stroud, and he could tell the Ohio State star wanted to be in Houston. Later that month, it became official when the Texans drafted Stroud number two overall. The lunchroom conversation was the start of the Stroud's bond with his future team, an organization that had won 11 games total the past three seasons. The Texans hoped Stroud in the, in the uh, collatus of a winning culture. The results have been good so far, as Houston is now 3-3. Three and three. Houston did win uh, three games last year, so we're already tied with our winning streak from last year. So that's good. Has matched its win total from 2022 heading into its Week 7 bye. Stroud, who's in the Offensive Rookie of the Year conversation, is leading the way, but it couldn't come without buying uh, from his teammates. You're the youngest guy in the room. It's hard to step up and talk to men who are older than you, but as I told CJ, everyone here, they respect you. And they look up to him because they see, first and foremost, the type of player that he is, Texans coach D'Amico Ryan said. Um, so let's uh, let's break it down here. So, yeah, so Stroud, they're pushing Stroud a little bit like they do with every rookie quarterback, uh, including Bryce Young over at Carolina. By the way, C.J. Stroud will be playing Bryce Young in the coming weeks here pretty soon. The Texans will take on the Carolina Panthers. Uh so with 6.56 in the fourth quarter as the Texans were trailing 18-12 to on the road in week five, this was against the Atlanta Falcons, uh, this was Stroud's first opportunity to lead a potential game-winning drive. It could have been his first one. Before the offense took a snap, right tackle Titus Howard remembers Stroud telling the unit, we are going to go down there and score. It's, it had been years since left tackle Laramie Tunsil felt that level of confidence among his teammates on the field. And it was because of Stroud. On the 11th play of the drive, Stroud cashed in on his de uh, declaration, uh, firing a dart to tight end Dalton Schultz on third and nine for an 18-yard touchdown with 149 seconds remaining. Um, yeah, so the Texans ended up taking the lead during 119 left, or excuse me, 149 left. But you know, but Atlanta went down there. Our defense could stop, and Atlanta went down there and scored. His teammates never doubt him in the moment. That confidence means everything. I've played a lot of football in my life, and I think that's paid uh, dividends for me coming into this harsh environment in these situations. I've played in this stadium before in critical situations, uh, Strauss said after the game. I think God put a certain dog in me that I don't flinch. That really has a testament to do with the guys around me. Uh, the lead was spoiled when Falcons kicker Young-Ho Koo nailed the game-winning field goal as time expired in the ensuring drive, but the Texans believe his trial was solidified. Alrighty, um, so yeah, so 
uh, you know, the Houston Texans have a bye week now. C.J. Stroud is in talks for rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, there's not much more I can say about Houston than that. They have the bye week, so we'll see. I'm looking forward to the game against Carolina Panthers and him them taking on Bryce Young. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, let's step away for a second. Let's talk about college football. Let's talk about the Colorado Buffaloes and Coach Prime. They're ninth in the Pac-12. Colorado um, lost uh, their last game on Friday, October 13th, Friday the 13th, by the way, in the final and overtime. Stanford 46, Colorado 43. Here's the interesting thing, though. Here's the interesting thing. Colorado was up 29-0 at halftime. Um, so... I don't know. You know, they kind of, the defense blew it. Is, is it Coach Prime? Is it Deion Sanders? I don't know. College football fans express one major concern about Colorado Deion Sanders. This is from Athlon Sports. Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes uh, need just two more wins to go bo- uh, bowling at season's end. So if they get two more wins, they get a bowl game. Unfortunately, it's going to be tough to get those two wins over their final five regular season games. Uh, they had their shot against Stanford, so we'll see. Colorado lost one of his final uh, winnable on paper on paper games on at to Stanford last Friday night. It was one of those losses that could ultimately end up derailing the Buffaloes' once promising season. All right, so let's talk about that for a second. Deion Sanders came in; he was a new head coach over at Colorado Buffaloes, University of Colorado, and uh, he's already done wonders for them. Okay, so he's brought national attention to him. He's brought celebrity status to the to the school to the team. And the athletic director knows that. And um, Deion Sanders also, uh, uh, he's won four games. They've won, the Colorado Buffaloes team and their coaching staff and him has won four games. That's a lot better than last season, which they only won one game. So, uh, you know, these things take time. So we'll see. But um, we'll see what happens here. Uh, let's see here. Deion Sanders and Colorado's remaining schedules include a number 25 UCLA versus, uh, they also versus number 12 Oregon State, and they also have Arizona, which just demolished a ranked Washington State team on the road at Washington State and versus, and they face off against number 14 Utah. Uh, where exactly are the wins going to come from the Colorado to go, uh, to go bowling, which means get into a bowl game? It's not looking good. To, to get to a bowl, Colorado, they're 4-3 and three right now, must now win two of its final five games at UCLA. Um, they must be, also beat Oregon State in Arizona and Washington State at Utah. This is reported by Brett McMurphy. Um, you know, it was a magical start to Colorado's 2023 season, but it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. And it doesn't look like Colorado has a good chance of getting into the postseason. Coach Sanders is not winning another game this season. Keep that receipt, one fan said. Um, not trying to be rude, but I see five losses, another fan wrote. This comes from the fan, these fans of uh, college football. You can tell most of these players haven't seen Arizona play. LOL, LOL they're laughing. Arizona has the better on, uh, line, running back, wide receiver, and defense. A Wildcats fan argued. Odds are pretty good at this point that Colorado finishes 4-8 right on preseason expectations. They haven't been played a team with a winning record yet, a fan said. I don't see two wins. I'm so serious. I really only see one win, or one, and that's a maybe with Arizona, one fan wrote. Uh, the most watched team in college football this season might not even go to bowl this year. Imagine that. 
And that's true. They brought, you know, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, has brought national attention to Colorado Buffaloes and the university and the fans. It could end up being a, a rough second half of Colorado's 2023 season. Um, you know, hopefully Coach Prime is reading all this and, you know, getting him fired up. You know, Deion is former, you know, professional football player himself. He's got two Super Bowl rings. So, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Now, the nerd question, Cubs, does Colorado's uh, quarterback, Shador Sanders, and Deion Sanders' son, uh, should he declare for the 2024 NFL draft? Coach uh, Prime, Deion Sanders' his dad, has a uh, reason for him not to go. He doesn't want him to go. He has told his son, I want, told both his sons that play, that I want you to get in college education before you declare into the NFL draft. Um, it's reported by Yahoo Sports NFL. Um, Colorado quarterback Shador Sanders took the college football world by storm with his debut this season. Sanders followed his dad to Boulder, where he became the head coach and wasted no time putting his name on the map as one of the best quarterbacks in the in the NFL. Um, but as we've watched, hang on, wasted no time putting his name on the map as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, that's a typo from Yahoo Sports. You know, Shador Sanders is a college quarterback for Boulder, Colorado, uh, the Colorado Buffaloes, University of Colorado. Yeah, that's a typo. So Yahoo Sports has got to proofread a little bit more. But as we've watched every staff of Sanders' season, we have become less inclined to believe Sanders should declare for the 2024 NFL draft. Here are big reasons why uh, he should stay for his dad. You know, of course, Coach Sanders has said to his son that I don't want you to declare a draft. I want you to get a college education. Coach Sanders is working hard to build a successful program at Colorado, but the roster needs a ton of work. He could go into year two and have improvements at multiple positions, but be forced to start over at quarterback. If the younger Sanders stayed one more year, it would be a huge leap for the program in terms of talent and success. I agree with that. Uh, it says right here also, it isn't like he needs the money. A lot of prospects declare for financial reasons, but Sanders is already rich because his dad, of course, came neon neon and, and during his playing days. He comes from, you know, uh, NFL royalty, and uh, Coach Sanders, Dion, has two Super Bowl rings. A lot of prospects declare for financial reasons. Sanders is already rich. Not only is his dad a multi-millionaire, Shadour is making millions from his NIL deals. His uh, flashing diamond encrusted Rolex watches on the field and buying a Rolls Royce. I'm not sure if the NFL could do much more for him financially right now. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Is he better than Caleb, Caleb Williams, USC's quarterback Caleb Williams, uh, University of Southern California, Caleb, Caleb Williams? Sanders wants to be the best he can be. This means being the top quarterback selected in the draft. If this is the case of 2024, it's not the draft for him to be in. You know, Caleb Williams, uh, USC's quarterback, could be selected. Uh, there's just too much talent at the position. Sanders is in the second tier of draft-eligible quarterbacks, including guys like Bo Nix and Michael uh, Penix Jr., and also Caleb Williams. Uh, it says right here he, he also still has a lot of room to grow. I agree with that. I agree with that. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens with, uh, with, uh, Caleb Williams and, um, and, uh, Shador Sanders. And we'll see if he declares for the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, the question is for you guys though, should Shador Sanders declare for the NFL draft? I don't think he should, you know, his dad, coach prime is trying to build a program over there, a winning program with Colorado. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Let's move on real quick. Let's talk about Texas A&M Aggies football. They're fourth in the SEC West. Um, 
They did lose their game against number 17 Tennessee, 20 to 13, uh, on Saturday, October 14th. Uh, they also lost. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they also lost against number 11 Alabama. So they, Texas A&M has lost against some ranked teams, and but they did beat Arkansas 34-22 on September 30th. Uh, so is Jimbo Fisher's job on the line? There's talks of that. I, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors in A&M, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. You know, I think. Uh, this is report from CBS College Football Week Seven reactions. Texas A&M Jimbo Fisher reach another low. Heisman conversation is over. Uh, you have to remember, Connor Wigman, Texas A&M starting quarterback, is out with an injury, and Max Johnson, their backup, has come in to take over. Uh, Max has done not done so well for the team, and they've lost a couple of games against ranked teams, but they are ranked teams. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I think Connor Wigman's a better quarterback. I think he has more mobility in the pocket. He can move around better than Max Johnson. Um, it's from CBS, uh, NCAA, NCAA football. Watching the Week 7 outcomes unfold, a theme arose. Some schools aren't getting a good or even adequate return on investment from their high-dollar coaches. The college football coaching market has ballooned, and universities hand out massive contracts like candy on Halloween. Um, Texas A&M is the poster child for this with its uh, humongous full guaranteed deal for Jimbo Fisher, whose team is now 4-3. and three. After a 20-13 row loss at Tennessee, Mark Stoops is making over $9 million a year at Kentucky, and he's lost his last two games by a combined score of 89-34, to 34, which is not very good. Stoops' status within the program is unwavering, but the price per win is notable. Michigan State, in fact, may avoid a considerable buyout nearing $80 million depending on the result of a sexual misconduct case against former coach Mel Tucker. Some programs pay a king's ransom to attract a top-billed coach from another program. Miami ran off uh, Manny Diaz to sign Oregon's Mario Cristobal to a 10-year contract worth $80 million. The Hurricanes are off to a 0-2 start at ACC play in year two under Cristobal following one of the worst blunders in college football history against Georgia Tech and a follow-up loss to North Carolina. Uh, USC made Lincoln Riley the fourth highest paid coach in the sport, and now the Trojans appear at best to be the third place team in the Pac-12. Their 28-point loss to Notre Dame was a thorough dis- uh, dispatching. The Sooners, meanwhile, are paving Brent Venables, Riley's replacement, just over $7 million a year, nearly $4 million less, and he was Oklahoma right in the thick of the college football playoff race. Uh, to be fair, some of these crazy extensions and big money deals work out. Coaches like Alabama's Nick Saban and Georgia's Curry Smart deserve staggering figures. They are rare, th- though. Instead, schools routinely overpay for prophecy, hoping for state success and stability. It's getting it out of hand. Maybe 2023 serves as a reality check for some administrations. Um, uh, Jimbo Fisher reaching point of no return. Uh, speaking of Fisher, the Tennessee loss is proof that the Aggies are going backwards. His fate may ultimately be sealed, even if not officially for some time. Tennessee scored just one touchdown on offense, had 100 yards passing, and 25 more yards and penalties, yet the Aggies couldn't capitalize. But you have to remember, you know, Cotter Wigman, the starting quarterback for Texas A&M, is out, and Max Johnson is his replacement. Fisher made plenty of questionable decisions for a second straight week two, taking a knee up to 10-7 with 50 seconds remaining before halftime. With all three timeouts, is a bad decision. And on the first drive after the half, the Aggies went three and out. Tennessee returned D. Williams' house a punt a few minutes later, putting the Volts in control from there. Um, so, yeah, so him taking a uh, nail in the ball with 50 seconds left for a 10-7 before halftime doesn't show very much confidence when he's got all his 
timeouts to go down there to have his quarterback go down there and try to score for him or at least get a get a field goal for three points um so that doesn't show very much confidence on max johnson uh texas a&m got whooped on both lines of scrimmage too the vols gashed the aggies for 232 yards rushing in the defensive front had two sacks five tfls and 11 qb hurries there's a strong chance that texas a&m won't pony up the buyout money to fire fisher this year unless the season enters complete disaster territory but that's writing on the wall. So we'll see. So talking about the payroll of college football and how many, how much these athletic directors and alumni are, are paying to get big-time coaches over there, um, it's in the millions. You know, it's $10 million, $20 million, $7 million, you know, for three years or whatnot. Do they deserve that much money? The question is for you guys. Uh, type in the comments below, and, you know, I'd like to hear your opinion about it. Um so yeah, that's about it. That's all I have for the this week's edition for the Matthew Parrish Show, or this episode, I should say. Uh, listen, before we go, make sure you hit that subscribe button. It's always a great time here on the Matthew Parrish Show, and I will talk to you guys very, very soon. You guys take care. Bye.